0: Okay, we're in lesson 10 today, we're in James chapter 4, we're going to talk about bad attitudes. James is going to talk about bad attitudes, he's going to continue on, it's really a continuation from last week where he talked about the whole issue of our lusting and fighting and and so forth coming out of our desires, our selfishness and so forth. But we're going to look at verses 11 through 17 and specifically... He's going to look at two attitudes that are pretty significant, I think, that we all struggle with. So it's not like this is for somebody else. Okay? Did you hear me? So it's not like this lesson is for somebody else. He's going to talk, first of all, about fault-finding. You could say that's a critical spirit, a judgmental spirit. We're going to talk about that. That's in verses 11 through 12. And then we're going to talk about a... Self-sufficient arrogance. We're going to talk about a self-sufficient arrogance. So let's look with, first of all, a fault finding. Let's look at verses 11 through 12. Notice what he writes. Do not speak evil of one another, brethren. He who speaks evil of a brother and judges his brother speaks evil of the law and judges the law. But if you judge the law, you are are not a doer of the law, but a judge. There is one lawgiver who is able to save and destroy. Who are you to judge one another? So the first thing he's going to talk to them about is, in verse 11, he's going to tell them to stop with their judgmental slander. He commands his readers, James commands his readers, to stop speaking of others in an evil way. Let's just stop for a moment. I think we're all guilty of this, aren't we? I mean, we're all guilty of this. None of us can say we're lily white on this one. Because have you ever not, have you ever talked about someone in someone else's presence, and it wasn't nice what you were saying? It may not have been bad words, but you just talked about them in a condescending way. Do you know what I mean? You you just kind of held him in low esteem. And typically, let's be honest, that happens usually on a daily basis with us, does it not? Okay? On a daily basis. So what James is commanding us, and, and that's a key word if you want to underline it, commands. He commands his readers to stop speaking... About others in an evil way. Bottom line. And here's what he's saying. Speaking evil refers to more than just slander. It's more than just slander. So it's really you not speaking very well of someone. You and I need to stop that. It's a critical spirit. You know, I, here's the thing. And I, you know, I'm 46 years old, and as I reflect back on my life, there was a time when I could say that I was in the midst of a fault-finding critical spirit. I mean, I would be very critical of others, judgmental of others, okay? And as I look back on that time when I was that way, being critical of others, what was going on with something more in my life? That led me to that. And that was not being close to the Lord when I should have been. Did you know what I'm saying? When you're not close to the Lord, and what we do is, it's is kind of like what Brad talked about in the Search of Significance study, is we like to blame shift, or we like to find fault with others, and in doing so, it alleviates our feeling bad about ourselves, because maybe we're not where we should be. So it's like, I'm okay, but this other person's a jerk. Do you know what I'm saying? And because he's a jerk, I'm okay. And so we call him a jerk or something else. Do you know what I'm saying? We we find fault with somebody else. We're critical. James is telling us, look, you guys need to stop that. Because when you find fault with others, I'm just going to be honest with you, that is really indicative of something else that's going on in your life. Something on that's going on in your heart that's deep down. Do you you understand what I'm saying? Plus, he wants us to be aware that when you and I do that, there's actually consequences for our behavior because we're actually doing something we, we may not be aware of. You say, like, what, George? Well, here's the other thing. We're breaking the commandment. When we speak evil of, when we speak of others in an evil, judgmental way, we make ourselves judges. First thing he says there, when you and I speak evil of somebody else, when we talk about somebody in a condescending way, when we we belittle somebody, or we're like, I don't understand why he did it that way. Everybody knows you do it this way. What got into his mind? You know what I'm saying? Where's he from? He's obviously not from around here. You know, you, you make yourself... What's going on there? You make yourself better than the person that you're talking about. James describes it this way. You become a judge. You become a judge over that person's character. Okay? So here's the other thing he says. We are placing ourselves above others. Okay, we got that one. But notice the second part there. And the law of God. Whoa! We are placing ourselves... Above others and the law of God. What do I mean by that? Well, God tells us specific things in his law about what we should do. And when I place myself in a place of judge, of judging others by speaking condescending of them, because i got an attitude towards them, I'm placing myself even above God's law. I'm saying, in this area with this specific person... God's law does not apply to me. Do you realize that? When you say, when you speak evil of someone else, when you talk about somebody in a wrong way, you are making yourself a judge and you're basically saying that God's law does not apply to me in this area. Do you understand? Now let me ask you something. Is there any area of our life that God's law does not apply to? No, it applies in every area of our life, doesn't it? See, do you understand the seriousness of what James is talking about here? He's basically saying to us, listen, when you do this, you're placing yourself above the law of God. That's a serious thing. That's a real serious thing. Let's go on here now. What what else does he say? What commandment are we breaking? We are breaking his commandment to love our neighbors as ourselves. So does everybody, everybody recognize that? When you speak evil of someone else, how are you doing with that commandment where it says love your neighbor as yourself? Not good at all. How many of you do this in the morning? When you get up in the morning, you look in the mirror and you, and you talk to yourself and you say, how could you be such a jerk? You should have done yesterday a whole lot better. I mean, maybe some of you do that, but most of you don't, right? You avoid the mirror, okay? He <laughs> avoids the mirror, all right. But do you understand? No, we're, we're, we're a lot easier on ourselves, don't we? We make we make exceptions for ourselves, don't we? Oh, you know, that didn't go well yesterday, but you know, you need to try better today, George. But with somebody else, I don't ever want to see the yesterday happening again. How could you do that? And we speak evil. We're not loving other people like we love ourselves. We're not cutting other people slack like we cut other people like we cut slack for ourselves. Do you understand what I'm saying? We're actually placing ourselves above others. And we're breaking one of the two greatest commandments in the Bible. Remember, what's the first commandment that Jesus said? To love the Lord God with all thy heart, soul, strength, and mind. The second is what? To love thy neighbor as thyself. And Jesus said, on these two, all of the word of God, all of the law of God hinges. So if you're not doing good in this one area of loving your neighbor as yourself, we're in trouble, aren't we? So now do you understand why James is telling us to watch what we're saying? To be careful about how we have an attitude towards others? We need to be, here's the thing, if you want to write this down to your margin, we need to be more gracious with people. Yes, yeah, Scott. Yeah, Christians do struggle more with this than than, than unsaved people because in our culture today, unsaved people. Oh, you want to do that? Fine, wonderful. That's your. You go ahead and do that. I would never do that, but man, if that floats your boat, go right ahead. You know, but Christians are more critical. That's that, that's a good observation. Okay. But, if you know, here's the thing. We need to learn to be more gracious with people. We need to be gracious. Now, of course, there are commandments in the Scripture. If your brother's not doing right, you need to go and talk to him. But those Scriptures tell you how to talk to him, like Galatians 6.1, if you want to write that down to your margin. Galatians 6.1 says, if, you're, if you have a brother who's in sin, you who are spiritual are, go to, are to go to him in what? Meekness and gentleness, seeking to restore him. To go in a loving manner to help him to do right. Not to sit there wagging the finger. And let's be honest. Through the years in our church and in churches we've suffered from the wag the finger syndrome. Have we not? Where we're wagging the finger at others. Why are you doing this? Rather than trying to help them to overcome it, we're wagging the finger. So Here's what he's saying. Breaking the commandment. So now we're in double jeopardy now. What's going on here? Double jeopardy. We're acting as if we know better than God's law. We're acting as if we know better than what God's law is. What specifically is God's law? Again, love your neighbor as yourself. We're acting like we know better. But yet, here's the thing. We're acting like... We're better than God's law, but here's the double jeopardy part. Yet we're revealing that we do not keep it. Yet we're basically saying we don't keep it. So okay. Let me just stop for a moment. Here's a great test. Remember, I'm the one who has been encouraging you that when you struggle with something, part of the life in a church family is is that you're able to go to other folks in the church and receive encouragement from them or to receive uh, guidance and so forth. And I've told you before to seek out those who are spiritually mature. All right? Now, I'm going to give you a test of how to find out who's spiritually mature. Watch how they talk about others. Watch how they talk about others. You may have someone that you think is spiritually mature because they're using all the Christian lingo. They can answer all the Bible questions. They can do all of that. But when they talk about people, they talk about people like they're under their shoe. You know what I mean? They're talking about people like they're some kind of doormat. They're belittling people. They're condescending of people. I'm going to tell you right now, it doesn't matter the jargon they use, how pious they ask. If they're talking about other people in an evil way, what do we see here in the Scripture? It's telling us that they're breaking what? The law. They're placing themselves in duper jeopardy. They're basically saying, this law doesn't apply to me. This law doesn't apply to me. So it's revealing that they're not able to keep it. So does that make them spiritual? No, not at all. Not at all. So here's the thing. Here's what we've got to recognize. Verse 12 tells us about the true lawgiver. We need to get things into proper perspective. We need to get things into proper perspective. What perspective is that, George? Well, there's a lawgiver. And here's what he says. The one who gave the law is able to save and to destroy. He's the judge. i got to keep that in perspective. Because one day, I've got to answer to the lawgiver. Really? Well, remember what Jesus said. I think this is interesting, because it all comes together when you read the Scripture. Jesus said that that every idle word will be brought into judgment. How many of you have spoken an idle word this week? All of us. If you're not raising your hand, you're not being truthful. Or you're not listening. Okay? Uh, the reality is, is this. That's a pretty serious thing. Because, I mean, if I look at my life, I've said some pretty dumb stuff. I've said some pretty dumb stuff about people. Do you know what I'm saying? And we'd like to wish that we could forget it. In fact, you've forgotten most of it. But one day, I don't know how, but it's all going to be brought into account, and we're going to remember at that point. And we're going to be oh, you know, we're not going to know what to say. This is the point he's wanting us to get it in perspective. You've got to answer to the one who's able to save and to destroy about your speaking. Take it seriously. Okay? Take it seriously. In fact, here's 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 the issue. What right do you have to place yourself above another person? What right do you have to place yourself Above another person. Now, what James is talking about here, I'm going to be honest with you, is so countercultural. What do you mean by that, George? Well, we live in a culture where we thrive on placing ourselves above what? Other people. Do we not? I mean, that's our political... That's, just listen to our politics. We just went through an election. You heard this all the time. Well, our candidates studied at so-and-so. And your candidate is dumb. Well, yeah, your candidate studied at so and so. He got Cs while he was there. Big deal. You know what I'm saying? You know, it doesn't really matter. But we try to place ourselves above others. How about this one, guys? Football season. You know, and my team's better than your team. Well, yeah, you're 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 one in sixteen, and I'm one in seventeen. Big deal. You know, but, hey, we're doing better than you. Isn't that right? We try to one-up each other all the time. That's our culture. But here's what James is saying. James is saying, look, you've got to go countercultural in the way that you deal with each other. You've got you've to quit placing yourself above other people. What right do you have to do that? The reality is, is folks, we don't have a right to do that. Here, let me go... Scott brought it up. Let me bring this one up for you. What right do you have to place yourself above unsaved people? Because you can look at the news and say, I can't believe they're doing that. Blah blah, 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 blah. Or you look at somebody else and say, look at the way they're acting. Blah, 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 blah. You know what I'm saying? And here's the thing. And you think, and you're coming from the, I'm so glad I know Jesus. You know what? The only reason why you're different is because you know Jesus. They don't. And here's what I like to say. Sinners are only going to do what they know to do. That's sin. Unless they know Jesus. Do you understand what I'm saying? So we cannot place ourselves above others. Others. Let's just stop for a moment. What's the biggest thing that, they, that the unsaved people will say about people in the church that is filled with what? Hypocrites. Now, why do they say that? Because we act judgmental towards those who don't go to church while we ourselves still do the what? Same things. You know what I'm saying? We ourselves do the same things. So they're right in what they're saying. And so we're placing ourselves. That's a bad attitude. That's a fault-finding critical attitude. Okay, that's the first one. Let's get into the self-sufficient arrogance. We see that in verse 13 through 17. Here's what he says. Come now, you who say, today or tomorrow we will go to such and such a city, spend a year there, buy and sell, and make a profit. Whereas you do not know what will happen tomorrow. For what is your life? It is even a vapor that appears for a little time and then vanishes away. Instead, you ought to say, If the Lord wills, we shall live and do this or that. Yet now you boast in your arrogance. All such boasting is evil. Therefore, to him who knows to do good and does it not, to him it is sin. Okay, so let's talk about this issue of, Presumption here, an attitude of presumption. We see that in verse 13. First of all, Jesus wants us to consider our attitude of presumption. Now, we all suffer from this. Every single one of us suffers from this. We all make presumptions about the future. When we sit there and we make plans, a lot of us make plans like we know it's going to happen. We just assume it's going to happen. We we, we assume things because we number one we assume that hey, the economy is going to get better. Do we really know that? I'm going to have a job. Do you really know that? Because I got a job, I can do this. Do you really know that? I'm going to live to be a hundred. Do you really know that? Do, do you know what I'm saying? We make presumptions. We make presumptive plans. And so he's warning us about that, that attitude of presumption. Here's what he's saying. He's speaking to the one who has made definitive plans for the future. Okay, let me just stop for a moment. He is not saying, let me just go ahead and say this, because some of you are like, what? Should we not make any plans whatsoever? I mean, I can't function that way. I function that way. i got to have a calendar. Okay? It's like make an appointment. We tell that to family. Make an appointment. You know, vacation has got to be this week. Okay? I'm a definitive plan guy. Okay? He's not talking about that you can't make plans for the future because we couldn't function then. All right? What he's talking about is the type of plans we're making for the future and the attitude with which we're making the plans. It comes out of an issue of self-sufficient arrogance. Where you think you're invincible and you can just do whatever you want to do. Or you're going to do this and it, and, it's just, and you know it's going to happen. Alright? So he's speaking to the one who's made definitive plans for the future. Here's the other one. We have no clue concerning what the next day will hold. We have no clue. How many of you have been in a situation like this? You made a presumption... We'll use, a, we'll use an illustration of commerce, of buying for a moment. And and you decided, man, it is time for us to get this, whatever, change the house, change some room, buy a new vehicle, blah, blah, blah. And you go and you make a presumption and you go and do it. And then you've got the payment coming in because you figured, I can handle the payment the way things are right now. And for like the first month or two, everything's okay. And then the, the third month, the other vehicle's engine goes out. You get an unexpected health bill, and all of a sudden you got to go to the doctor, and you start getting your your payments that you got to make. The, I mean, we're like, where's this money coming from? I mean, if you know what I'm talking about, I'm not asking if you've been there. We all know about that, and we're like, oh man, I wish we hadn't bought that truck right now. Do you, do you understand? You don't know what tomorrow holds. The reality is, is you don't know what the next day is going to hold. How many of you know, you've probably known somebody, maybe this has happened to you, you go to work and your work tells you that day, you've got two weeks. We're closing up and selling. That's happened in our area, hasn't it? You know, you know what I mean? That's happened. Some of you worked at the cheese plant. Remember that. You thought that was going to be around forever. And then all of a sudden, forces outside of your control. And it was outside of your control, wasn't it? See, you don't know what the next day will hold. You can't be presumptive. I mean, you can set plans, and we have plans, okay? I'm trying to convince my wife about next year's vacation. okay? I haven't got her convinced yet, but I got plans. It may not happen, okay. Help me out, okay. All right, good luck. <laughs> I don't believe in luck. Okay. Life is short, and here's what James is saying. Life is short, and death is inevitable. That's the reality of life. Life is short, and death is inevitable. And you know, you, you realize that more and more as you get older, don't you? When you start seeing people you love, pass away. When you start seeing friends, pass away. You begin to realize, man, life's too short. I mean, when you're 20, you thought you had it all ahead of you. You didn't even think about it. But man, when you're in your 40s, 50s, we'll stop there, okay? You start realizing what? It's short, and death is inevitable. And you, you yeah, you make plans, but you hold on to those plans loosely, and that's what the attitude of what he's saying. Here's the proper attitude. We must reflect an attitude of dependence upon God for each day. You know what? We're going to go on that vacation, Lord willing, if God gives us the time and the money to do it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I've got plans for the future, but it's only as God gives it's a difference of attitude, isn't it? It's not a presumptive attitude. It's an attitude where I'm depending upon God for each day. Here's what he's saying about our arrogant boasting. They're acting and speaking like they're in control of their lives. Whoa. Here's what James is saying. He's saying we're acting and speaking like we're in control of our lives. Now, isn't there anything more ridiculous than that? To think that way? Are you really in control are you? Are you really in control? When some guy hits you, were you in control when the guy hits you and you didn't just came out of nowhere and hit you? No, you weren't in control. You know what I'm saying? When all of a sudden, like, your body parts start stopping, and they got to be taken out, were you in control? Hey, section six, get your act in order. Got to start functioning properly there. That doesn't work, right? See, you and I need to come to the reality that we got to quit acting like we got it all under control because the reality is, is write this down in your, if you want to write this down in your margin, you are not in control of what's happening in your life. Ultimately. Does everybody understand that? I'll never forget when I pastored in Canada. It was during the the late 90s. And that was when the Kosovo crisis happened. Remember the Kosovo crisis, for those of you who are history buffs, when the Serbians went in and they killed, they invaded their own province of Kosovo, killing the Muslims and everything. And right there where we pastored was a military base, and they brought a whole bunch of refugees there from Kosovo. And I'll never forget this. There was a young engineering student, no, an engineer, young engineer in his late twenties, and I read his story, and it was it was amazing how he, you know, he's at the top of the food chain in his culture because he's an engineer. He's making lots of money. He's single. You know what I'm saying? When you're single, you got lots of money, and you spend it on who? Yourself. And in one night, he was running across the border to Albania for his life because people were being killed around him, and now he's a refugee in Canada. Now, do you think at one point he thought his life had it, he had it together, and then the next day he's what? He's running for his life. A couple of weeks later, he's he's in a military base in Canada, trying to get his act together, get his life back together, with nothing in his pocket, relying on the aid of others. I mean, that just tells you right off the bat we don't have it in control, do we? We need to realize that. We need to realize that. So they're acting and speaking like they're in control of their lives. Here else. A self-sufficient attitude is evil. That's what James is saying here. A self-sufficient attitude among believers is evil. So here's the personal responsibility. Here's what we got to do. James is telling his readers that they know what they should do. You guys know what you need to do. You need to do what's right. You need to have the right attitudes. Why? Here's the reason. Here's the final point. Ignoring what is the right thing to do is sin. And this is a great verse of Scripture. If you want to write an asterisk by it in your Bible, here's what it says. To him who knows to do good and does it not, to him it is sin. That's a pretty general principle, but I think it's very accurate. If you know that what you're doing is wrong and you don't stop it, it's sin. If you know that what you need to do is right and you don't do it, it's sin. Do you understand what I'm saying? There's personal responsibility. Quit being arrogant and self-sufficient and do what's right. He's saying have the proper attitude. Okay, next week we're going to talk about... The misuse of wealth. He's going to be pretty tough. This is a tough section. Um, he's, going to, he's going to really come down hard on the rich in this section. Now, immediately somebody's is saying, well, yeah, he needs to. You know? Yeah, but before you have that attitude, there are actually things there for you and I to learn from it. Because... If you had the money, let's say you won the big Powerball and you didn't have to share it with anybody and you got it all, okay, I can almost guarantee you you're going to act the same way. Why? You're human. Do you understand what I'm saying? You're human. So he's going to talk about, because there's some things that we can learn from that, the misuse of wealth. He's going to call us to be broken and he just wants us to understand. Because I'm going to be honest with you, we struggle with that in our culture because we're very materialistic.